to the Church of the Palms. My name is Dick Thompson, and I serve as a shepherding deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Give me a pure heart that I may see thee, a humble heart that I may hear thee, a heart of love that I may serve thee, a heart of faith that I may abide in thee. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yea, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Let us worship God. Dear friends, you have heard what was written about Jesus in scripture, how he suffered and died and then rose from the dead on the third day, how through his death and resurrection, the forgiveness of sin is now possible for all who repent and believe. So let us boldly approach the throne of God where we will find grace and mercy and confess our sins together. Let us pray. Merciful God, in your gracious presence, we confess our sin and the sin of this world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue 
lay waste the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and have turned them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy upon us. Heal and forgive us. Set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. Jesus calls us to follow him, and he will not lead us astray. His path is one of forgiveness and renewal. Know that you are forgiven, and so you are ready to go out and serve. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Now let us join together in stating what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us all greet our neighbors in the love of Christ.
Well, good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms this morning. We're thankful that you're with us. We are grateful that we can be together as the people of faith, gathering in worship, expressing ourselves uh, to God and being a witness to the world in our worship together. So we're glad that you found your way to us. Perhaps you have come to us from far away and perhaps you've come to us just from around the corner, but regardless, you're welcome. We welcome our TV audience as well and are grateful that they are sharing in this worship experience with us too. We hope that you'll fill out the friendship pads and uh, especially look for those people that you may not know by name on that pad and we invite you to continue a conversation with them after our worship service today. We uh, are always uh, busy here at Church of the Palms and we certainly were very busy yesterday and we'll talk about that in a minute. But if you turn to pages eight and nine in your bulletin, you will see some very practical ways by which you can be uh, worshiping and working with us in our life together. Uh, we have great mission opportunities, our food pantry, Family Promise begins uh, this week. And uh, I think they're still looking for a couple of volunteers so you can find them underneath the tree. Uh, we have opportunities for front desk volunteers and for uh, all kinds of things. The C.S. Lewis Reading Group continues. Uh, we'll, we have a great class this, after, this morning at 10.15 over in the chapel about church history. So Carolyn will be leading that. So you'll maybe want to run over there to enjoy that opportunity as well. So take note of that. George Hardy is coming to our campus on Friday, August the 19th, the Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, has a great story to share with us and you might won't want to miss that as well. So lots of great things that we have uh, going on in our life. One of the great things we have going on in our life is a new member of our staff. So Jacob, come on down and Jessica and Theo, we'd love to have you guys come forward. Our new youth director, Jacob Orr, is finally with us. He, uh, he really got a good start over the last two weeks. We gave him full immersion into student ministry here at Church of the Palms. He's been on two back-to-back -back trips and uh, with our senior highs and just got back from Montreat. What time? About 1 a.m. last night. So, um, <laughs> so there they are, bright and bushy-tailed. And here's your microphone, but welcome, Jacob. It's Thank great you. to have you here. Yes, yes. I'll make it short. Uh, yeah, I tried to guilt trip all my kids into coming this morning, but they didn't, they didn't wake up, so... Um, it's a little empty over there, but in a good way. They need the rest. They did a lot. Um, I shared with them something over there that I thought was pretty cool. Um, while at Montreat, we had other churches and leaders come up and share with us how much of a light our kids were. Um, so all the investment you're putting in them is well worth it, because the final day, I told them, I was like, well, it's the last day. If you want people to come over, we're going to worship in our house. And so if you have someone you God laid on your heart to invite over, do so. So I get home from my meeting, and our house is doubled in size. There's nowhere to walk around. And so we crammed everyone in the back room and we said a couple prayers. Uh, some people shared some stories over the week. Oh, you want the microphone? Um, and then we sang some songs and actually five other students, complete strangers, uh, said they wanted to give their life to Christ in our house. And so it was pretty cool. We got to share that experience with people we didn't even know and our kids prayed with them and laid hands on them. And so they're moving, God's moving in that group. And so thank you for everything that you're doing. I'm very privileged to be working with them. So glad to be here. <laughs> And we have a little gift that we'd like to present to you as you have arrived on, into our ministry, a little welcome to your new home gift that Nancy <laughs> Vithaeus, who's a member of the search committee, is here to present to you. Lots of little gift cards and all kinds of goodies for your family and 
for Theo to really enjoy. So welcome them again, would you please? Great, thanks, thanks. Yeah. As I mentioned, yesterday was uh, an incredible day here, and you'll hear more about the details. Day of Hope was an opportunity for us to fling open our doors to our neighbor as we seek to love God, love neighbor. We, in a very practical way yesterday, uh, reached out to our neighbors here at, uh, in this particular part of Sarasota, especially children and families, those who are uh, right on the cusp, either homeless or otherwise, uh, to uh, help them to find their way uh, and being prepared to go to school. And so Dottie Tile, where is Dottie? I hope she's here. There she is, come on up Dottie. Uh, Dottie, who has been the leader of this whole effort along with a great team, is here to share with us a little bit about uh, what took place yesterday and the great gratitude we have for all those who were involved, so. Thank you and good morning. Yesterday, one word to describe it was awesome. And I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart because a day of hope took many, many hands and hearts to pull it off. I had received the card that a lot of you received in the mail this week, and it said, love God, love neighbor. And I thought, that was day of hope yesterday. I so appreciate all your kindness and your generosity in helping to make this event come come through, and yesterday when I turned around and saw the green t-shirts everywhere on this campus, I thought God truly was on the move at the Day of Hope. We had awesome children and their families, and they were so appreciative. We had a family that came and took three buses to get here and was dropped off at the Walmart. So these families made great effort to come to our Day of Hope. We prepared them for school with all the tools that they need, but also we made it a wonderful day for our children. The Church of the Palms, I'm so proud to have worked with all of you and each and one of you who donated for our school supplies, who volunteered, and who pray continually for these families. After the Church of the Palms, we showed our guests how we share the love of Jesus from the magic man in the children's room, the prayer room with our little skit and songs, to the laughter and photography, the very cool haircuts, and on and on. I was so proud to have my whole family here, even from out of town working, my granddaughters and my sons and the whole family. And I thought, what a wonderful example of an event to serve God, from the very young to the very young at heart. We had all ages, and everybody had a special thing that they helped with. I had a couple comments. We had a thank you card um, for the kids to sign as they left, and it's out in the courtyard for you to see. One of the comments was, oh Jesus, I am very fond of you, and thank you for this event. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Another one was thank you for the sacrifice and time that you put in it today. Now these are little kids, and I thought that was so sweet for them to um, sign it that way. But also a couple comments that I want to share with you from ambassadors. One particularly sweet one was saying goodbye to my family was so difficult. 
but all in all, it was a wonderful day. I saw some true connections out there between the ambassadors and their families. Another wonderful day, so nice to meet and talk with the mom and children. She was so enthusiastic about school and this church, too. Families were humble and thankful. As always, I learned more from them about humility. So um, all I can say is God truly was on the move yesterday in Day of Hope, and I thank you with all my heart. Thank you, Dottie, for your great work and for all those who have volunteered over the course of these last weeks and months to make this an amazing day. And if you've ever wondered whether uh, what you do here at Church of the Palms, the offerings that you contribute, uh, make any difference in the world, uh, all you needed to be was on this campus yesterday uh, to discover that uh, truly lives are being changed, and we're grateful for that. Let's continue our worship.
Let us join our hearts in prayer together. Lord, this morning we bring our praises, our thanksgivings, our longings, our joys, and our hurts to you. We do this because you are all things that frame our lives. In this season of summer, we do give you thanks for the brightness of the days, the works of nature, the waters that are beautiful, the vacation experiences, the joy of your creation. It reminds us, Lord, that you made this world and each of us for our mutual delight. We give you thanks for the people and for their active commitment to you, to you and the church, the many ways in which our people have given their lives and commitments, expressing their faith through mission and outreach, day of hope, trips, teens in their retreats, and the many others who have passed their message on with their words and their faith in action. May we, as all of your body, be moved to share in the ministry and acts of mercy that always reveal your love. Lord, we're concerned about this world we live in. So many shootings, suicide bombings, insurgencies. Sometimes we feel there's no respect for life. We pray against the powers of evil that seem to abound on every hand. Our world needs you. We pray that your kingdom to come and your will to be on earth as it is in heaven and help us to know how to be used as instruments of righteousness and holiness and truth. Lord, I would ask that you would bring things into our lives that will make us draw closer to you and make us more aware of you. We need to see and acknowledge your divine hand even in the everyday ordinary events of our lives. We believe in your divine providence and we don't want to just casually accept the events of life. We ask for an awareness of the divine every moment of the day. Save us from just being a matter of fact. You're with us, you're within us, and we need to be reminded of the truth. And so, Lord, we bring all of our hopes and dreams and confessions and deepest desires to you. Be with Steve as he ministers to us. And joining our voices as one, we now pray as Christ taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now we'll ask our ushers to come forward and lead us in the giving of tithes and offerings. I fall some 
sometimes it's hard to walk in shifting sand I miss the rock and find there's nowhere left to stand and start to cry Lord please help me raise my hands so you can pick me up hold me close hold me tighter i have found a place where i can hide it's safe inside your arms of love like a child who Storms will come and storms will go. Wonder just how many storms it takes until I finally know you're here always, even when my skies are far from gray. I can stay. Teach me to stay there in the place I found where I can hide. It's safe inside your arms of love. Like a child who's held throughout a storm, you keep me warm in your shall we pray. Lord, we give joyfully to you. We thank you for the opportunity to give. We give a song of praise when we give, not just a note, but an inbred celebration of the joy of your grace. Thank you again for the opportunity to give. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
And we're gonna ask Carol to come forward and all of the children to gather up here. something it says in the Bible. In 1 John, it says, in fact, here is what it means to love God. We love him by obeying his commands, and his commands are not hard to obey. That's because everyone who is a child of God has won the battle over the world. Our faith has won the battle for us. Where's my sign? So I realized that first and foremost, I wear lots of hats, but first and foremost, I am a child of God. 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 <laughs> we are all children of God, first and foremost. We have to remember who we are and whose we are. Will you pray with me? Thank you, God, that you are our Father and the one true God. And you made us perfectly unique and wonderful in your image. We are all your children and want to obey and follow your commands. Amen.
We continue today in our look at the Psalms in the center of the Bible, these great prayers of Israel. And today we are in Psalm 85 and not printed it in your bulletin will be a second text from Luke chapter 10. So hear the word of God. O Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what, the God, what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. And then from Luke chapter 10, beginning at the 25th verse, this very familiar story. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, well, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And Likewise, a Levite, and he came to this place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity and went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them, and then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you, and moreover, whatever you spend. Whichever, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. 
By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. Last September, an incident occurred in the ancient city of Hebron in the West Bank, an area controlled now largely by the Palestinian Authority. It involved five American tourists. The five were students and ultra-Orthodox Jews, and they were on their way to visit the Machpelah Cave, believed to be by many the ancient burial site of Israel's great patriarchs, Jews, Muslims, and Christians find this to be one of their great holy sites. The five young Jewish students, however, on their way to the site got lost, took some wrong turns, and ended up in a Palestinian neighborhood. And before they knew it, they found themselves under attack by a mob of Palestinians. Rocks thrown, Molotov cocktails lobbed, the car engulfed with flames, and eventually the students pulled from their car and order for the mob to begin beating them. Faiz Abu Hamadaya, a 51-year-old Palestinian Muslim and businessman who lived in the neighborhood, witnessed what was happening, and without giving himself much time to think about it, ran into the street and interceded on behalf of the Jewish students, and along with his family, whisked them into his home to give them protection. Israeli security forces were called to rescue the young tourists. We gave them water to drink, said Faiz, and tried to tell them that they were safe, though they didn't speak much Arabic. Had Faiz Abu Hamadiah given himself much time to think about it, he might have considered and weighed too heavily the potential consequences of this rescue attempt, not just in confronting the mob, but in what occurred a few days later. This Palestinian family received death from their Palest- received death threats from their Palestinian neighbors and pledges to burn down their house. A reporter, when interviewing Mr. Hamadiah, offered that he was a hero. The Palestinian replied, I'm not a hero. I did it because I'm a human being. I'm not a hero. I did it because I'm a human being. There is enough that has happened over these last couple of weeks that has put to the test what it means to be a human being. One dead in Minnesota, 41 dead in Istanbul, one dead in Baton Rouge, 84 dead in Nice, six dead in Dallas, three dead in Baton Rouge, 10 dead in Munich, not to mention 49 dead in Orlando six weeks ago, 32 in Brussels two months before. And of course, there are those that are not on the front pages of our newspapers. And whether it's the color or nationality or uniform that prompts these attacks, what is left is to be asked, what does it mean to be a human being? There was something about being human that possessed that Palestinian Muslim to intercede for those five Orthodox Jewish students, something about being human 
Something about being human, when Jesus told the story about the beaten man on the side of the road, there was something about being human that prompted, of all people in Jesus' story, the Samaritan to stop and tend to the man and his wounds and to find for him a healing hostel. There was something about being human that prompted young Montrell Jackson, the young African-American pro police officer gunned down just last Sunday to write just days before in his Facebook post in reaction to the slaying of Alton Sterling, I've experienced so much in my short life and these last three days have tested me to the core. When people you know begin to question your integrity, you realize they really don't know you at all. Look at my actions, they speak loud and clear. Finally, I want to personally send prayers out to everyone directly affected by this tragedy. These are trying times. Please don't let hate infect your heart. This city must and will get better. I'm working in these streets, so any protesters, officers, friends, family, or whoever, if you see me and need a hug or want to say a prayer, I got you. I got you. I wonder if that isn't a part of what it means to be a human being. That somewhere buried deep into our DNA, somewhere buried deep into the Imago Dei, this image of God that is planted in our souls, I wonder if there isn't this notion to, that to be a human being is to have this sense that we, that we have each other that we are the human species. We are not just a human species, we are a human race. Not races, but race. We are a human race and we have each other. Palestinian, Jew, black, white, Samaritan, officer, citizen, we got each other. And I wonder if that isn't what the psalmist receives as an answer to his prayer. The psalmist in Psalm 85 prays to God and wonders with God, what is the future of God's people? What does God most want for his people? What sign are we to look for if we are to look for the favor of God? And the psalmist actually places himself in a listening posture and wonders what to expect as an answer from the Lord. How are we to know, Lord, what you want? What does it really mean to be a human in relationship to you? How do we most live into our imago dei, into, our, into the image of God? Let me hear, says the psalmist, what God will speak, for he will speak peace to his people. And boy, if there is anything that we might ever want our prayer, from our prayers to God, it is for God to speak peace to us. In the Hebrew, the word is shalom. And if there's anything a person of God might want from the Lord, it is God's shalom. We translate that word peace, but it means so much more than that. Shalom points to the state of wholeness and well-being, this, this sense that I am at peace with myself, I am at peace with my God, and I am at peace with God's world, that somehow the tapestry of being within me, around me, above me is all woven together. Shalom. He will speak shalom to his people. The wellness of soul and the wellness of world it's not unlike the story of the mother who was looking for something with which to occupy her four-year-old daughter who was getting under her feet. So she found herself a magazine picture of planet Earth. 
the orb with the outline of the continents. And so she tore it out of the magazine and then tore the picture up into little pieces, little puzzle pieces for her daughter to put together. She gave it to her and said, put the world back together, thinking that would keep her occupied for a few hours. Fifteen minutes later, the little girl came back with the puzzle together, the world back together. How did you do that so fast, the mother asked. Oh, said the little girl on the back was the picture of a person's face. So when I put the person together, the world came together too. And so the psalmist waits for God to speak God's shalom. And sure enough, God speaks shalom. And what we hear are words like steadfast, love, faithfulness, righteousness, what we hear is that this big, big world that wants so badly to be torn apart, shalom comes when our righteousness is lived out in our steadfast love and our faithfulness to each other. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. If there is to be shalom, God says, it will be in the not letting go. Shalom comes in the holding on. Shalom comes in the I got you. Shalom comes not just in my being righteous, not in just my being right, but shalom comes when I find that my righteousness is through my steadfast love. My righteousness is through my, my faithfulness to God and to his people. Because you see, what separates me as a human being from all the other species is that I'm not some kind of Darwinian animal set here to illustrate the survival of the fittest, the dog-eat-dog -dog world. No, I am a human being. I'm a member of the human race whose meaning and purpose is in the I got you. There were a whole lot of I got you's on this campus yesterday, human beings helping human beings Shalom comes in the holding on. Back in the civil rights movement in the 1960s, there was a little town in Mississippi that had a, a boycott of the merchants downtown. The, the boycott was organized by leaders in the black church. It was a, a peaceful and constructive demonstration, but the police were definitely not quite on their side, and they were sort of rough with these people. And at the very apex of the struggle, the chief of police suffered a heart attack and was in the hospital for several weeks. And even though he was confined to a private room, he continued to supervise the police effort, calling deputies into his room every day for reports. One day, one of his men came in and said, you know, they're planning a rally tonight at the AME church. They say it's going to be a prayer meeting. <laughs> prayer meeting, I'm sure. Let me tell you, it's going to be a warm night. The windows are going to be open. You go down next to that church building and you listen in and hear what they're planning and come tell me tomorrow. The next day, the deputy returned. Did you do as I said? The chief said, yes, I did. The deputy answered, what happened? Well, they sang some hymns. Oh, I, okay, they sang some hymns. What happened after that? Well, they prayed. And what did they pray for? They prayed for you. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Have you ever given any thought to kisses in the Bible? 
I bet most of us think that the Bible is a kissless book. <laughs> no such public displays of affection. And yet some of the great stories of the Bible end in a kiss. Remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Poor old Esau cheated out of his inheritance by his younger brother and the two boys separate as the bitterest of enemies. But that's not how the story ends. It ends with Jacob and Esau finally having to face each other and Jacob thinks this is the end. Jacob thinks this, he's finally gonna get his just desserts for having cheated his brother. And just when we think that Esau's really gonna give it to his brother by sword or by fist, Esau runs to him, falls upon him and kisses him and Jacob says seeing you is like seeing the face of God or Joseph Jacob's son beaten out of jealousy by his brothers and sold into slavery lived to live a harrowing life of survival ends up quite amazingly being the savior of Egypt and his brothers now come to him as hat in hand looking for help and when Joseph sees these very men who tried to ruin his life what does he do Give them their just desserts. Send them home hungry. He falls upon them and kisses them. And when the father lets his prodigal son go out to the far country only for him to blow his family inheritance, and the boy comes limping home ashamed, and Jesus says the father, when he saw his boy, ran to him fell upon him and kissed him. It wasn't about being right. It was about being together. Black, white, Jew, Palestinian, Christian, cop, citizen, Samaritan, I got you. Because you know there is this force in this world, a force as invisible and as powerful as gravity, and it is the force of estrangement. Estrangement. Every day presents us opportunities to be estranged. Estranged in our families, in our acquaintances, in our politics, in our community, in our color, in our uniform, in our nationality. There is this force that wants to pull us apart. There is this force that wants to convince us that we are right and they are wrong. It is the natural way of things. It's the way the world is. God forbid a public display of affection. God forbid, for, forbid a Palestinian rescuing a Jew. God forbid a person of color embracing another. God forbid one enemy kissing another. No signs of love, no public displays of affection. And against this force of estrangement, we pray that God might speak, that God might speak peace, might speak his word of shalom, and God says steadfast. God says love. God says faithfulness. God says peace. God says meet. God says kiss. And God says it all in the Messiah Jesus. God says it all in this God-man Jesus who empties himself first to be born and then empties himself second to die. A rather public display of affection. 
Richard Selzer, a plastic surgeon, tells the story of a patient whose surgery under his hand did not go as planned. The result being a nerve in her face mistakenly severed and her mouth unable to straighten. Dr. Selzer recounts the moment at her bedside along with her husband when he has to deliver the bad news. The young woman speaks, will my mouth always be like this? Yes, he says, it will. It's because the nerve was cut. She nods and is silent. But then the young man, the husband, smiles. I like it, he says. It's kind of cute. Dr. Selzer continues, all at once I know who he is. I understand and I lower my gaze, for one is not bold in an encounter with a god. For unmindful he bends to kiss her crooked mouth, and I so close can see how he twists his own lips to accommodate hers, to show her that their kiss still works. I remember, he continues, that the gods appeared in ancient Greece as mortals. And I hold my breath and let the wonder in. I got you. I'm a human being. I got you. The force is against us, but I got you. You may not got me, but I got you. You may even be the enemy, but I got you. It sounds a little like something Jesus might have said from the cross. You know that time when God was reconciling the world to himself, not just my race, not just your race. God was reconciling the world to himself. You know that time when God, the God-man, contorted himself just enough to show that our kiss still works. A rather public display of affection. We too can bear that image. And in bearing that image, no shalom.
the peace and love of God be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.